Speaking of testosterone, um, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well, actually. Yeah? Yeah, how are you? I just had a delicious chicken sandwich, so that's pretty cool. Also, it's a new year. Is this our first? So, this is our second podcast of the year of 2021. Yeah, we did uh, Cobra Kai last time. That's right, Cobra Kai. Cobra. Kai. All right, so Gabe. Gabe, that's me. All what right. are we doing today? Today we're doing a podcast on a movie that was just released for streaming. Yeah, I don't know if it's on a service for free, but we we rented it. We did rent it. Uh, a movie that was just recently released called Promising Young Woman. Yes. Uh, one of the more. <laughs> we should we should start this. We should start this podcast off with sort of a disclaimer. Yes. Um, Similar to how we tried to say when we did our Watchmen casts about race, I, or I think there was yeah there was another podcast we did about race in America specifically, and we opened that podcast with explaining that we're just two white dudes who saw a movie. Yeah, coming from. You know, when you live in California, you kind of come from a privileged background regardless. Yeesh. So, or when you were born here. So. This particular movie deals with very heavy themes, misogyny, all the way down to misogyny taking action in the form of rape. That's the normalization of rape. Yeah. Yeah. as a thing that happens. Yeah. So we just want to give a disclaimer right here at the beginning that we have no background or experience with this and we know it's a very heavy subject and you know we we can't really speak to it yeah we want to be respectful of the subject matter but also still have a discussion about this movie as a film yes which is what this podcast is mostly we spend time talking about movies so we're gonna approach this film while discussing the story as a film so yeah and um we don't have experience with themes and actions in this movie no personal experience with sexual abuse Yes, but we also can't really speak to how this movie portrays that as well. Right. Because we just don't have any grounds to speak on. Similarly, how Gabe nor I are black, and we can't really speak to what it is like to be black. But we still did a podcast about about social... Social awareness. Uh, shit that's going on. Social shit that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but, I'm a linguist. <laughs> but we can't speak to the trauma and the feelings and the emotions that someone who's actually experienced this may be feeling, nor how the themes play out in the movie. All we can really speak to is how the movie was made and the story that this particular movie told. Yeah. And the idea is that it's worth a discussion. It's yes. worth being on your mind to some degree. So we're going to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. This will be another short episode today. All we can really talk about, like we said, is the movie. So let's talk about really quick what happens. The story. The actual story without being spoiler filled. Uh, this story takes place with a young woman who had a promising career. A promising young woman. Yeah. Being a, a doctor. Yeah. She was in medical school. And then while in college, her friend was her close friend like like best friend from yeah, like they grew sisters, up together almost yeah. her friend was a victim of sexual abuse it was a very intense thing and that played out in the loss of her friend's life and then also her dropping out of med school and the kind of play on what happens in this film is she begins to sort of take revenge in her own way mm-hmm. uh, little by little uh, man by man person by person So that's what this movie is about. And we could kind of speak to how they did that. Yeah. And that's kind of where it gets interesting. So this movie was created by a first-time director. Emerald Fennell from London. She was in The Crown. 
Yeah, I was actually really surprised when I looked her up. She was in many things I had seen. She was uh, an Anna Karenina. She was in the most recent Peter Pan movie with Hugh Jackman. Um, she was in The Danish Girl. And she played Camilla in The Crown, who is Prince Charles's, you know, love of his life. She played the young version of her in seasons three and four. So I was really familiar with her acting career, but had no idea that she could direct and even that she would direct something like this. And it's always great to see a first time director with such a, a hit instead of a miss. And this movie was definitely, I think, a strike on target. It was topical. It was written really well. The cinematography was fantastic. Yeah, all the technical aspects of the film were really on point. The production design was really good, too. You, and you were, oh, yeah. you were saying the music was great? I liked the score a lot, which Steven said he didn't even notice because the soundtrack was so prominent. They com- yeah. they compiled a bunch of... A lot of 90s and early 2000s pop hits Oh yeah, in this one. You might have heard in the trailer a rendition of Britney Spears' Toxic. The trailer is actually the kind of trailer that makes you want to see a movie. And that's what, yeah. what kind of made me really interested in this movie was both the visuals of that trailer and then the themes it was telling and how they would do it in this movie was really interesting. Mm-hmm. really intriguing to me in the trailer. It definitely left an impression, yeah. uh, even from just the trailer. Yep. The idea that they were going to be very direct with this story. This movie's not really about the subtlety. A lot of it's very on the nose, but I think that works extremely well for itself because, I mean, this is how our, our culture is in, mm-hmm. in a sense of entitlement. The idea of not just like white privilege, but guy privilege and growing up and the different experiences that people have. Yeah, and normalizing things that shouldn't be normalized in our culture. Yeah. What's interesting about this film is that I don't think at a single point in the film did they use the word rape, but the whole movie is essentially about rape and sort of the mentality that surrounds that in our society and in the whole world, really. Yeah, 100%. So that's kind of what the movie is about. It feels a lot sort of like a Kill Bill Oh, yeah. Big slasher angle. And in that, there's a draw, right, to the the imagery and the style. It was vibrant. The style that is being utilized here in this film is very much kind of like a Kill Bill sort of revenge story where something traumatic happens and then she's on a revenge kick. And so you don't really break away from that the whole time, from that style of movie. Yeah, on a surface level, it's a very slick sexy take on that sort of a film, which, you know, Kill Bill still had. Yeah. But it goes much deeper than that than I think films of that kind usually do. And in in no way was it as good and well shot as a Tarantino film, but it was still very, very good. But it is the same kind of story where there was sexual misconduct and then a woman going kind of on a revenge spree to take justice into her own hands. And so that's very similar as far as that's what I mean, kind of similar in in tone and and feeling of or style that this movie's sort of doing. The thing that's sort of different about this movie is it takes place in today's world instead of 15 to 20 years ago world where it takes the Me Too movement into account. And this woman who's going around and taking justice into her own hands, really also trying to educate her victims as well as bring justice. The same sort of education that I think all of society has received in the last, you know, three years. By kind of putting it in their face? Wait, yeah. And showing them Waking people up and... Wake up, Exposing them to the truth. Yeah, for sure. When you're confronted with something like that, especially when it becomes personal for you, or in a perceived way, at least, personal, Mm -hmm. then it's much more of an issue. And that was done at so many points in this film. There's a sequence where she's squaring off against the dean of her old college. 
And, that was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, and the dean is sort of dismissing the story that Cassandra or Carrie Mulligan's character is telling until it's made very real for her character. And then all of a sudden, you know, no pun intended, she has skin in the game. And then everything is, it really shifts the perspective to the point where this could literally happen to anyone. And yeah, it's, it's something that you have to take seriously. <laughs> and a lot of the same sort of things you hear over and over sort of are a lot of the, the same excuses that I think we all heard when the Me Too movement was happening, which is that was a long time ago. We were young back then. Um, and this came to light, particularly in one of the more interesting scenes when she goes to confront a lawyer that handled her best friend's case. You wanted to speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Alfred Molina's character. Yeah. So cool that he's in this movie. He was uh, either a lawyer or a judge from the time back in the day. It's revealed through his character that a lot of the people that are in charge of the justice system and bringing these cases to a close were, at least in this story, and I think this would be a reflection of how it is in real life, Yeah, they were bankrolled by people that were intent on keeping these stories hidden and locked away. Clandestine. Yeah, they wanted things settled out of court. Yeah. He said, I think, literally that he would get bonuses for settlements that were handled out of court and mm. stuff like that. Mm. So every moment in the film just goes to show you how stacked. It, it, it's the classic conundrum you know, of the concern for the accused versus the concern for the victim and how the concern for the accused of the people that are having the allegations directed at them are historically, and even more so today than ever, the people that we side with. It, it's an innocent until proven guilty situation, but we often don't do the due diligence to find out what the truth is, what really happened. This character was unique because he said he had an epiphany, and he said his doctor referred to what he had as a psychotic break. Mm. That he had this realization, and recently too, years after what he did, that what he did was incredibly wrong. That how he helped to cover up this story of sexual abuse. He helped to sort of push it under the rug. Mm. And so he came to this epiphany for whatever reason, that maybe the stress finally got to him, that he had been an evil person, essentially. Yeah. And that he, he realized that, and then he just sort of snapped. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it is evil. When yeah. you, for whatever reason, intentionally disregard something like that, you know, whether it's money or just disbelief. A few moments in the film, they talk about how, like, there's the victim who, or the, the fox who cried, the wolf, the boy who cried wolf, right? Or the girl who cried wolf. The wolf who cried fox. <laughs> yeah, one of the reasons they disregard the story of the character who was abused, the friend of Carrie Mulligan's character. One of the reasons she is initially dismissed is because she had been drinking, you know, and she was someone who had been drinking in the past, mm -hmm. and so they immediately were using that against her to disregard her claims. Yeah. So the the deck is always stacked against you. Is the idea. Yeah. When you're in this situation. And uh, from this point on, I think we'll go into a little bit of spoiler territory. So if you don't want to know what happens, you can tune out and then we'll end the podcast. But Gabe brought up a really good point earlier when we were discussing the film because it both this movie, I think, impacted us not just because it's a good movie, but also, you know, just as a discussion point um, that Carrie Mulligan's character at a certain point in the film, the the, the movie sort of turns into uh, a, a happy ending. <laughs> and and you think that she's going to live happily ever after for a second, but it's only the second act. And then things take a turn for the worse. And she essentially goes into the third act with no holds barred. And, you know, she's not going to come out of it well. 
And I think Gabe made a really good point that, and that's kind of the whole point of the movie that you want, you can say it better than I can. That <laughs> there's, there's really never a good sense of closure or resolution to anyone involved in these stories. Right. The victim of the sexual abuse is never going to be able to really completely move past that. They're never going to escape what happened to them. And then alternatively, the perpetrator or the person who is doing these things, that's going to be there lingering in the shadows waiting for them to, you know, or at least you would hope so. Yeah. So the way that plays out in this film is that once Carrie Mulligan's character is set back on this path of vengeance, for lack of a better word, and she finds out after she's been broken because the person she thought she was in love with was involved, she goes on her final act of vengeance and ends up at this bachelor party where she's confronting the person who was the person who sexually abused her friend that cost her her life. And we're not sure what she's going to do. She's going to try to like physically scar him or something. And she, she ends up being killed because the guy breaks free and suffocates her. Yeah. Uh, which is a long, very uncomfortable scene. It's like a couple minutes, just the process of her being suffocated. Uh, but she dies. And so that scene was actually shot really well. I loved how it started wide. Yeah. Slowly slowly zoomed in. Yeah. And then eventually she was out of frame, but he was still like, he was towering over. I, I loved the way that guy, I think, Chris Lowell or whatever, who that actor that portrayed Al in this oh, yeah, film, yeah, yeah. he drifts between emotions in that scene when he's suffocating her. And there's like the initial like fear for his own life because he's not sure what this... Yeah, he's scared. But then he drifts towards this like unhinged sort of, of rage. Masochist And you see shades of what this person, of who this person really is as he's like, now he's on top again. Yeah. And that whole final sequence too was, or that climactic sequence, if you can call it that, was really interesting too, just in itself of a, as a parallel for an act of rape because of what, like I said, this movie is not super subtle in the language, in, yeah. the, in the dialogue. And he's saying things like, stop moving, you know, uh, <laughs> just f***ing stop, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's back in that moment. Uh, if the viewer you know picks up on it yeah uh anyway but Carrie mulligan's character dies and the whole film you're thinking oh she's probably gonna you know get away with it but yeah the idea is that you're never really gonna get away from this yeah from what happened i thought that was a really brilliant theme that you took away from this because i it was definitely in your face if you would have seen it, I missed that idea, but it's, um, it's, it's smart. It's, it's smart. It's good filmmaking, yeah, but, but more so it's good storytelling. Yeah. To pull out the theme of, you know, you cannot get away from the trauma of this, from the tragedy and the horrific instances. Yeah. And that's, that's the idea. I think that the director and, and the team of people behind this film really wanted to get across is that this isn't, this isn't a feel good movie. It's not just a revenge flick or a slasher film. This is a movie with a message, and the message is that this impacts everyone and no one gets away from it in the end. Yeah. And so after Carrie Mulligan's character is killed, over the next 15 minutes of falling action, you see through her death, she was able to posthumously release the tapes of what had happened to the world. And all these guys are then, well, and the evidence. it's implied that they're rounded up, yeah. And they're, they're then held accountable for their actions. But, you know, even that doesn't happen a lot of the time. But the fact that Carrie Mulligan's character was killed was one of the main points of contention for people that... It was like one of the hinging points of whether or not people liked the movie. Yeah. And I think for me, it was the best choice to do it. I think I read it at one point in the script, she was supposed to like enact her revenge and then walk off into the night, you know, smoking a cigarette and uttering a one-liner. And I think that would have really devalued the film. To have her right. get away with all this. 
because that's not the message of the film. The message is this is you know, this sticks with you. Yeah, you can't. You, These are consequences you can't come back from. Not just for what she experienced and what her friend right. experienced, but the fact that she is now done these things she you know is yeah there's also a story <laughs> underneath there of dealing with tragedy and and how a person copes or tries to move on and how difficult it is to move on from trauma like this yeah it was so tragic to see her right before she falls you know into this path again that she was in the second act it looked like she was gonna maybe get a chance at happiness again. yeah she was falling in love with Bo Burnham. Who was really funny in this movie. He's incredible. Yeah. I need more Bo. And then her heart. Did you ever see Eighth Grade, the movie he directed? Uh, I don't think so. It was pretty cute. Yeah, he got a lot of, the movie did well. It was good. I mean, it, it really felt like being in middle school again, which is <laughs> the worst. Anyway, Bo's, Bo's great. He was great in this movie as an actor. Yeah. But it was sad to see her once she finds out that he was, you know. Complicit. Uh, complicit is the word. Yeah. And then it breaks her heart and she falls back into her final act of her path. Yep. All the performances in this movie were good. So I, I know that, you know, again, we gave a disclaimer in the beginning, but just to come full circle a little bit, we know this movie may not be for everyone. Definitely wasn't for, you know, a lot of people we had interacted with that had seen it. Even just dealing with how this movie told this story with such heavy themes and what it was trying to convey, you know, everyone's experience is different. And so... We totally understand if this movie is also sort of difficult to recommend because of that. But yeah, we as podcasters and and I think the makers of this film are not trying to discredit anyone's experience. And I just want that to be said. There was a lot of very prominent actors and actresses that appeared in this movie and people who were producing this movie because I think they wanted to tell this story and they felt that it was very important to tell. And that's why it was also another reason, apart from it being a really good movie, that we wanted to do a podcast about it because we also think that, you know, it's important to at least bring light to this. And we could say very confidently, even though we have no personal experience with this kind of trauma, that uh, it is an important conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, maybe you could pull a song. I think you should just use the toxic, uh, the classical rendition of, you know what? That, that was such a cool, it reminded me of Jordan Peele's. Yeah. In us. When he did, I got five on it. Yeah. And I was like, that is so good. Cause yeah. you hear a lot of corny stuff these days when it comes to promoting film and like making trailers and tropes yeah. that are part of uh, sound editing trailers. But I love the classical rendition of both. I got five on it and Britney Spears toxic. And it fit the movie so well. It sort of has that haunting violin. That yeah. It was perfect for the horror genre. Yeah. And those horrific elephant, horrific elephants, the horrific elements of this film. <laughs> the horrific elephants in the room. <laughs> yeah, for real though. Yeah. That worked out. It can go both ways. Yeah. So Promising Young Woman, you know, if you're, if you're up for it, check it out. I love Bo. Give me Mo Bo. Give me that Bo. Bo Burnham's great. All right. Peace out. <laughs>